Hey, everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep and the longest running Top Chef podcast on the internet. I'm Alex, hanging out in my apartment with Megan. Nope. Yeah, Stop it. Double intros today. No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm only going to sing the intro song today. That was Megan. Yeah, yeah. that was her impression of the intro song. Very the longest impressive. running intro song on the internet. And a great impression. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> also joining us from Northern California, it's Ezra and Sarah. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Morning. And from Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. Um, today we're talking about season 18, episode 9 of Top Chef, titled Portland Dash Ia. Yeah, um, so named to avoid the similarity to the show, or I guess. Um, and this, anyway, so well, Portland, Portlandia obviously is the reference to the show, but as you all know at home, Portlandia, the show is named after Portlandia, the statue. What? Right? You guys are all familiar with this. Uh, let's just say no. You know, okay. And then you know, let's. Well, there's I a reason am, why Alex, you're not. But if you yeah. could explain it to our listeners, indeed, who may there's not. a very good reason why you're not as familiar with this. So, uh, Portlandia is the name of the sculpture by Raymond Caskey, which is located above the entrance of the Portland Building in downtown Portland, which is a city building, very cool, weird designed building. And they built, they they added this huge statue, this huge copper statue. It's the second largest copper repose. Uh, how would you say that, Megan? Uh, repoussé. 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 Uh, the second largest copper repoussé statue in the United States behind the Statue of Liberty. Just massive um, image of a of a woman with a trident um, leaning out over the, over the street. Um, and uh, the reason why it is not the most famous icon of Portland is because the guy who made the statue will not let anyone use images of it in anything. What? So he maintained the copyright. So the city bought the statue, but he kept the copyright, and he will not let you put it on a postcard. He won't let you. Um, the show Portlandia was able to use it in their introduction after like six months of negotiations. Um, it's uh, and a significant cash payment, but you can't use it. It's just not in anything. So nobody, nobody is knows this, it. Is this like the long con where like he's going to do this for twenty years and then all of a sudden start letting people use yeah, it for like, a huge fee? Like sell it as an NFT or something like that? <laughs> no, Somehow. I'm sure he can sell you the NFT of Portlandia, the statue. No, because uh, now are, it's been twenty years of everybody going. Oh no, you can't use it. He won't. He won't let right, you do yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's even possible we're just still scared. But he maybe. I mean, at, at some point it should re- revert. I don't know, but it's it's like it's it's our it's Portland Statue of Liberty. But imagine if the Statue of Liberty was not on anything. It's also at a weird angle because it's a it's like facing a street and it's like on the second floor. And so it's not nearly as visible all around um, as the Statue of Liberty as the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, which okay. is like, OK, OK, framed well by the bay, by the river, by the river. Um, anyway, um, also, of course, the statue of the woman holding a trident is very important to Oregon's history. It is um, representative of the Portland seal which has a uh, woman holding a trident who is referred to as the queen of commerce. Mm. Mm. Which when you think of Portland, you think of the queen of commerce, a sea witch who (laughs) rises from the river and strikes you down with her trident while also holding a sheaf of grain. Um, to Look, indicate I, bread and gluten. I didn't know about I don't this, know. but this doesn't sound wrong, honestly. <laughs> like this, like yeah, like that makes sense. <laughs> yes, you know, the nineteenth century was full of weird iconography for and, sure. Or like you know, Portland is is a lovely city, but it's not on the sea. You know, it's it not on the sea. It is on the confluence of two rivers. Yeah, 
And so there is some nice river iconography, but I, the, I mean, city seals are one of those things that I feel like gets decided without yeah. input from the public very often. Like it, it got decided a while ago without holding the right meetings. I don't know. It always seems a little weird, but like, I don't, I don't know how this came to be really. Well, how, it actually how we it makes a ton of sense though. Cause, like, cause so I, um, I didn't know about this until very recently, but but Columbia being like the name of like the 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 female personification of America. Oh, oh. So like, if you can, like, you probably recognize this, like, say, like from like Columbia, like the like the you know the movie like studio, the right? Pictures, like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, that's that was that's like that's that was America as like a woman, basically. Um, and so <sighs> interesting, it's like Uncle Sam. Yeah, right. And, and, oh, and Uncle that, Sam in Columbia. K-I-S. Wait, what? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's... I gotta look this up. I I have no idea about this. Yeah. Um, Not right now. Columbia Sea Witch? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna do it later. Yeah, we we should should all look it up. But you should should definitely look up... Wow, she is like Aunt Sam. Wow. Anyway, um, she's wearing a flag as a dress. Very patriotic. And And a flag hat. Um, artistic technically dis- illegal actually huh <laughs> <laughs> it's not totally oh, respectful you, you just try it you try to like she knows people all right it's like not a it's, sword it's Watch like out. a it looks like a pajama hat like a 19th century pajama does, hat yeah, of like. like anyway um okay so that's aunt sam anyway this is portland you should you should look up the portlandia statue obviously um it is it's cool looking and just you don't get to see it very often um one thing I also like about the statue is that she is she's very large that they they brought her in on a barge and the the large barge and she um like her thumb is roughly you sized. Wow. Like you could like hug her thumb. It would be very Whoa. comforting. Um anyway. So that's probably have idea. to pay a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's not the Portland they were talking about and said um let's get into the challenge today. Uh, for a quick fire challenge, we have wow! No one could have seen this coming unless you saw literally any preview of the season or ads for upcoming episodes, um, because they did use the same clip of Fred saying "pack your knives" over and over and over again. But um, first, before we start the challenge, a brief conversation with the chefs about Sarah's elimination last week, in which Dawn says she feels partly to blame, which is crazy because I also feel that. Mm. Afterwards, uh, after that, the chefs get to meet the most famous Portlanders ever, Fred Armiston of New York and Carrie Brownstein of Seattle. <laughs> yep. um, the two of them, you may have heard, did a sketch show kind of about Portland called Portlandia, where they make fun of hipster culture. So for this challenge, uh, the chefs have to make hipster food. And uh, apparently they define hipster as being made with 1950s blenders. We've all been there, you know, we've all, Chris, you've lived in Brooklyn and in Seattle. You guys live in the Bay and you guys are very familiar. You can't go into a shop without seeing a 1950s blender making your food. That was actually our uh, original Bitcoin, I believe, was just 1950s blenders. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I found that that was a little confusing. I don't know. I mean, it was fun. It was nice looking old equipment. But anyway, um, Fred and Carrie are charming and fun guests, even if the one joke of theirs has played on 200 previews. So we've already seen it. And um, both the comedy duo seem completely unprepared to be outdone, outweirded, and almost eliminated by Jamie's personality. (laughs) Boy, she knocked Fred over. Fred was like, I thought I was supposed to be the silly one here. Coming soon, (laughs) Jamelandia. Oh, yeah. The show about Vegas. 
I'd watch oh, her. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'd no. watch Jamie's Weird Vegas. Um, more about Jamie later. Um, in the meantime, Chris's cauliflower doesn't have good enough textures, which is bad news because cauliflower has no taste or calories. So if you blow it on the one thing it does have, you're in a lot of trouble. Meanwhile, Jamie's. But it's very easy to do. It is. Yeah, totally. Which is, yeah, it's one thing is texture. Very ruinable, the texture of cauliflower. Um, meanwhile, Jamie's hot dumps are too much texture. Turns out they don't like that either. Make up your mind, guys. Um, but there are three texture Goldilockses. Gabe's hipster sausage, which is actually a yambucha. Right? Hmm. It's a yam cooked hmm. in kombucha. Good. That's, that's okay. sure. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the Hasselbacken was really the thing that like was, was it, what it stuck. That was the catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But yambucha was was totally accurate and good. It's just it's sort of like a it's sort of a huh of a yeah. dish for me. Yeah, I mean, I would try it. I mean, it's a I like a dish that fakes it till it makes it. Um, Maria's tomato soup doesn't seem particularly hipster to me, but it's warm when they eat it, which means they <laughs> ate it before it was cool. So that's perfectly hipster. Oh, okay, that was really good. Okay, I liked and, it. Thank you. And then Carda mums the word on that one as Don erects a slightly phallic bread dish with bacon jam and goat butter, and the porn bread is good enough for her to win her first quick fire. Okay, that's pretty good. Also, though, was it like sideways and not up? It was what? sideways. Yeah, it had de-erected. Yeah. I just but wanted it, to say it. Was, it was, you know, stiff. Was, it, was, <laughs> it was medium turgid. Uh, no, Family I just show, I was guys. trying to remember. <laughs> well, because it's, it's hipster, right? So as you know, every hipster restaurant you go into is using a 1950s corn-on-the-cob-shaped pan to cook their bread. I wish you got more kernel texture out of it. it did <laughs> yeah, look, but there's no know. kernel texture, so it just looks like the cob. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with which... a bit of throb. Anyway, it's fine. What were <laughs> oh. you saying? Is... No, I don't want to say anything more about any of this. Um, <laughs> okay, so we, I should ask how how what is your experience of of Portlandia, you guys, the TV show? How familiar are you with Portlandia? Are you just asking this to brag? At the no, end? not, not to brag. My friend Alex was in some of it, so I saw that part. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw the episode. This guy I went to college with, Alex Falcone, was I've on. Been, I I I did four episodes of the show, but I was oh. not gonna say that was about me that's not my point of the discussion was to say that i am zero degrees of separation from fred and carrie yeah uh, um, no i mean you are at least point. seen a couple of seasons you know yeah uh, back back when it was on and new yeah I, i've seen sketches i think i maybe saw the pilot i don't think i ever saw like it, i don't think we never really it was never like a show that we watched all the way through because i think well, that, i think yeah. that's generally fine there's a lot like the best sketch shows you watch mostly the YouTube sketches, the best mm-hmm. sketches that someone posted, right? You don't, you don't yeah, have to you watch don't. sketch shows all the way through. You let yeah, you let the internet decide the good parts, and then you just watch those. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not all going to be hits, but I think one thing that uh, that I liked about Portlandia um, when when we, when I was watching it was that it really like yes, there was some parody of of Portland, but it was mostly in a loving way. I think there was sure. a fondness for the the city and the different subcultures and and like there was a real under it seemed like there was an understanding of each of those subcultures and yeah. and what's up and you know poking some fun sure and using it as fodder for sketches but you know knowing portland uh, as w- well as i did i guess um it it seemed it was fun yeah the the i think especially related to here to this project we're doing right now the the chicken sketch from the first season one of the most famous sketches from the show of the restaurant where they tell you not not just where your chicken was raised, but 
um, its relationships to its parents and like where it sleeps at night and has a whole binder on every chicken you're going to eat. It was a great, very funny, I think very funny food related sketch. And I thought a very of the moment sketch. Yeah. The other one that I remember that I like a lot that's food related is the one where they are all it was a sketch where they're all it's a big group of friends eating out together and it takes it's really hard to split the check. So they bring in the wolf from yes. Pulp Fiction. But instead of um, hiding bodies, he just helps you split a check. That was a great yeah. bit, hmm. which sounds tremendously useful. Frankly, yeah, really excellent. Yeah, yeah that, that one was very funny. I, yeah, I some people I've seen a lot of people say that it's hit and miss, but like you can't name a sketch show that's not hit and miss. That's how it works. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, the only ones that are hit and miss are like miss and miss. Yeah, right? exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. There are those sketches, but no one is better than hit and miss. Um, so, yeah, I thought they had a bunch of things. Yeah, the, I guess I'm a little defensive because right when the show was ending, the Oregonian in Portland ran like this big article about like how people in Oregon feel about Portlandia. And basically the universal opinion was we liked the first season, but it really lost its way, which is the most Portlandia thing you could say is yes. how do you feel about Portlandia? I liked its early work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah. just like, do you guys not see that you are the thing? Anyway, um, but it's very, very, very fun to see them on the show, I thought. And I did think they were great guests. Did you enjoy yeah. them as guests? And clearly they're fans of the show. Yeah. You know? So that's that's always fun to see. Makes a huge difference. They also, I think they did exactly what I would do if I ever got to actually judge a challenge, which is when they had to tell people they were on the bottom. They felt yeah. real bad about it. Oh, that was so nice. Was but nice. you seem very nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the texture wasn't great, but you seem like a great person. It's so honored to be here. But also, it was really good. You're so amazing. Thanks for letting me be here. It's <laughs> <laughs> adorable. Um, also, I guess I, I guess I didn't mention in the way this challenge was set up is that you had the key thing is you couldn't cook on the hotline. You had to use exclusively refurbished old electric stoves yeah i you know i think this this uh really narrow definition of hipster being like thrift store kitchen finds and like cast offs and whatever else um hurt the challenge and and i think we didn't need it but okay I, i would be very interested in an episode of or a bit of the show where they talked about the differences between gas and electric stoves and yeah. especially if they gave me some ideas of how to do better with an electric stove in yeah. case I have one of those again. I've also seen many things that suggest that gas stoves are sort of on the way out as an yes. idea. They are. They They're are. better at cooking, but they are also better at putting poison into the air and for the people standing next to them. And so and using gas, which we probably shouldn't be doing. So I would just I'd be really into learning more about electric stoves. Instead, they were just like, I don't do it. I don't like it. And then they did well, fine anyway. I, mean, I think they get, go ahead. Sorry, I think these are like the the worst of the electric stoves. Also, yes. right? like the coil ones are like I think we have one that's like has like whatever. It's like there's a heating element and there's like glass uh, like on top of it. And that's you have like, a magic one, and that's like uh, well, no, because there's a, there's like the induction ones that are even magicer uh, oh, okay. than us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, magic. Yeah, we just have like wipeable, wipeable magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the thing is like when I had electric stoves uh, in Seattle um, when I was living there. Um, you know, the thing that Gabe said it was very true. Like it either it's it's high gets really way too hot yeah. often and and the low is sort of pointless. 
Um, so it's, it's all about trying to find that middle, which if you know your stove, well, you can totally do, but if you're yeah. in a cooking competition on a new show and you mm-hmm. have a time limit, uh, and it's a quick fire, you probably can't. Yeah. And very true. that's, that's okay. And you know, things like induction and more modern electric stoves have a better middle range and a more adjustable middle range. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I, yeah. I'd say probably that the, the thing that makes it especially garbage is like, if you're in a situation where you have a bad, um, like high variance, I guess, uh, range like that. Um, mm-hmm. You probably are also in the situation where we have like um, pans that are like probably on the thinner side. Uh, True, that yeah. Maybe are also going to be like not uh, like get hot really fast and get cold really fast. Like they won't retain a lot of uh, heat. And so like you're just like you're swinging back and forth. I think you probably can moderate some of these things with like maybe a, a cast iron skillet where it's like if you get to that point, uh, it'll like heat up and like it'll retain the heat even if you like drop you know a cold piece of meat on on it. So yeah, that's okay. So so your actual helpful tip is that the thicker pans will do better on electric stoves. Let, that's like this is my don't trust me on this, but it seems like <laughs> no. This, I mean, this, this seems sound. <laughs> like thicker pan will do better on any stove sure, because okay. it's more even heat and it means that it spreads the heat out better across the bottom of the pan. So okay. solid. You know. Like you're not like a thin pan is really only good for like very quick things. Okay. Well, I would have liked them to have gone a little bit more into that since I do feel like it would be useful for all of us to know and be like less scared of them in the future. But um, yeah. Okay. That was good. I I also felt like one of those things where all their crappy equipment did not matter much. It sounded like it was supposed to matter, but then no one was like, well, this seemed good, except it was cooked really badly on this electric stove. Maybe the cauliflower texture, I guess, but... Yeah, I would say both the textural issues are heat over time issues, right? Oh, okay. That's true. They didn't say it, but that... Yeah, but a smart person would have figured it out. Um, I get it. Um, Chris, on your note about hipstery business, since this was about hipster, um, so we got a, a the hat tip to Jake MHS on Twitter, who sent us a little excerpt from Randall Coburn's Top Chef Substack newsletter, um, which uh, is relatively recent. Uh, as you guys obviously know, Randall Coburn used to write Top Chef recaps for AV Club, but now he has his own email list um, where he's stacking some subs. But anyway, about the quick fire, he said this, uh, Portlandia has been the off, off the air for three years, but the discourse, discourse around hipster and things that are hipster in this challenge feels plucked from an era even more distant. It does. That yeah. said, listening to Padma characterize wildly popular ingredients like hemp oil, almond flour, and kombucha as hipster makes her sound ancient in a way that brings me immeasurable comfort <laughs> because Top Chef is not cool. It is no longer trying to be cool. It's no longer booking Logan Paul. There is no TikTok challenge. There's a 54-year-old comedian and a 46-year-old riot girl icon, and Top Chef is speaking the same language as a Gen X geriatric millennial audience. The geriatric majority- millennial? Yeah. You haven't yeah. heard that before? Yeah. Oh. Megan, that's a thing. That is it's a not thing not the nicest now. thing people call us. Yeah, I guess, uh, guys. Top Chef is officially Chugi. If you don't know it, look it up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that Top Chef is Chugi. Tell me Chugi. Catch me up. I'm so I'm embarrassed now. It's just it means not cool anymore. Oh, to, well, but, no, it's okay. like it's Jenna, it's Jenna like uh, you know glitter Starbucks cup girl boss uh, velour track pants energy. You know. Okay, just a heads up. Now that you've told me what Chugi means, it no longer means that. No one says it anymore. I by the yeah, time no, no. I get a term. It is too late for that term. <laughs> I am like the last. I'm like the that big uh, that big triangle thing you put at the end of a railroad track to stop the runaway train. It's like if I if it gets to me, it's too late. <laughs> That's how I am with that language. term. Has self destructed exactly. <laughs> 
but yeah, so how do you, so the, like, so that point, obviously, um, Colburn's point is that it's good that it's ancient, but how do you feel about the hipster culture interpretation of this? And, uh, maybe even just talking about hipster culture in general as a thing for the show. It feels like a very dated term mm-hmm. to me. It, it feels like, uh, you know, 10 years ago or mm-hmm. 15 years ago in terms of the label, uh, whether said with uh, admiration or derision. Um, I feel like we, we've we've moved on in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't feel like it captures the zeitgeist of Portland. And I also don't think that's what Portlandia was even doing towards the end. Like they started making fun of hipster culture. By the end of the show, they'd mostly just been like, we're doing weird things with our own characters, having their own lives and adventures. And the the sketch show got weirder and weirder and less about, Hey, here's a thing I noticed. Aren't these, aren't bike people annoying or whatever. Sure. And, And more into just like, Oh man, we love these two people. We've played them over and over again. And now they've had whole lives. Yeah, this I do feels know like a lot of people who have old stoves in their kitchens, though. Oh, oh, oh so <laughs> intentionally old stoves. Yeah. Yes, that is something that seems to be on the up and up or on the up and coming. I don't know if they're electric, but I don't know what. Either. Megan, what do you mean old stoves? No, oh, I mean yeah. like a vintage stove that looks kind of cool, like those ones yes. did. I mean, I, I know they were bad stoves, but they did look kind of cool. And yeah, the like like nineteen twenties stoves. I uh, being like nicened up and put into new homes um oh okay it's not like a smeg thing where it's like new but it looks old so there is yeah, also it's, that it's it but they're not smeg yeah, yeah they no. they are like legitimately vintage stoves oh. yeah we we have a friend uh, i think the first place i saw this um who was telling us about the subculture of people who create and re- or collect and restore these old stoves and like the the hunt she had to find the right stove that was for the stuff that she would want to do with it and like the pros and cons of how it actually works in her kitchen and um yeah it's like a lot of compartments and stuff yeah there's so many compartments you guys (laughs) it's crazy this makes me tired (laughs) (laughs) well that is the gas leaking and that is also an issue (laughs) (laughs) right here so (laughs) Um, yeah i i guess i don't think of kombucha as a wildly popular ingredient in food either though so i'm not sure how to how i feel about that part of the of colbert's point i guess i like almond flour sure hemp seed oil sometimes but kombucha is like a drink i would say is like normal now but i don't see it as an ingredient that often i thought that was interesting yeah this feels like a very old culture war like this feels like like it's like this wait are you saying this can this culture war is canceled (laughs) <laughs> sorry uh, mm. Mm. <laughs> well, it's just sort of fizzled you yeah. know yeah yeah um a couple of my quick thoughts on this uh from at leprechaun the edit of dawn nearly on the floor laughing just because fred and carrie walked in was a bit much but byron's reaction upon realizing that they couldn't use the hotline was legitimately funny mm-hmm. yeah it was yeah it's totally true yeah they because they delivered the line you can't use the hotline in a bit like they were doing a bit in which they gave crucial information that had not been given out yet. It was really upsetting. <laughs> I do like that. I like I like I like that unreliable narrator. Um, yeah. <laughs> unreliable host narrator. <laughs> Did anyone else it, it took until Byron's reaction for me to realize that they weren't saying hotline as in who wants to be a millionaire. They were referring to the the range. I yeah, and, admittedly I don't know enough restaurant to know that that meant the stoves until that was clear later. Yeah, I, I agree. I also I, didn't catch I that didn't right away. Catch that until you explained it just now. So, 
Well, thanks, Megan, for being honest about that. Our listeners appreciate it. Some of them didn't catch it either. Um, one other thing, uh, all relatedly, um, CW on Facebook says, Maria's reaction to not using the hotline was almost exactly the same as my kids' reaction when I tell them that the place we're going is less than one block away, so we're walking. <laughs> oh, Legs I'm are just... so vintage. We have a car. So that's fun. You know, uh, I, I can I can do a parenting tip there. Oh, yeah. So something we do is uh, uh, the, the mini cone walkies where um, they get a little uh, like – I mean, this is this is like how we do our treats sometimes after dinner. But we get the Trader Joe's mini cones, uh, which are really tasty uh, and and are, are plentiful. And then we take a walk with them. And so if you give them something to eat mm. during the walk, they're generally happier. So we do a lollipop. Hike so your parent, your parenting trip is ice cream. Uh, well, that's a great trick overall. I mean, <laughs> it works wonders. As built built. Uh, built, built empires on ice cream. Back. I think that's true. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I I think uh, if you can give us something to hold, slash eat slash do, uh, then the legs move faster. That's um generally true for me as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would accept a mini cone anytime, <laughs> anytime we have to go somewhere. Um, all right, let's jump into the elimination challenge. It's time for another Top Chef classic: the how we actually make money challenge. Um, the chefs need to make. Last year they did a um make a product you can sell with your name on it and this mm-hmm. year the chefs need to make a recipe for their very own cookbooks and just like real cookbooks they have to say that it's easy and doesn't take too long but it should require 25 ingredients that no house has and take at least a day and a half to prep oh my gosh some of these recipes man i love all were... this so much but like <laughs> yeah they were nuts for recipes but they also were just like so many cookbooks we've gotten where they're like, oh, this is a simple one. I like to knock this out when my kids are late coming home from school. And it's like, first, debone the salmon. It's just like a <laughs> lot of stuff. We're like, catch a salmon. You'll yeah. need you'll need this type of kelp that is only available seasonally in Australia. And then you'll need just a lot of nut. And there's so many nutty recipes in cookbooks. I, I think that this is such a good point. And this is thing I'm only realizing just now that like, oh, like the printed word can be wrong. Because I feel like I just give so much uh, credence to like, Something that I can hold physically in a book and be like, well, this must be right. If it's right. if it's if it's bad, it's because I'm bad. And I just, cookbooks are just gaslighting people. Like yeah, me. <laughs> it's it's the leakage, right? It's the, the leak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're very dangerous those gas stoves. But yeah, um, to they, they they at least offer to prove to you that these recipes are cookable by a normal person by having yeah. some of the best chefs in the country do it. Yeah, and I mean obviously that was what they were going to do. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, Chris, my dude, Melissa King yeah. can't make your thing. So like you're, go- you're gone. You're just gone. I'm sorry. Yeah, It's like, it's like you wrote a how to basketball manual and you're like, don't worry. We had Shaq tested out. These drills are great for you. <laughs> okay. Hold on. If it was free throws, that wouldn't be a good test. <laughs> He's still pretty quick. And he can, he can still, you know what? Shaq can still shoot free, free throws better than me. Oh, a lot better than me. Yeah, but the yeah the but the point is yeah you're having all stars test something was very funny. I did like very much Melissa's dedication to the recipe where she could have done this better, but she did it by the book. Oh yeah, she knows she could have done it better. Yeah, uh, that and was true. All the mistakes was like, wow, I'm doing this wrong, but it says 56 pounds of beef, and then yeah. <laughs> Quite. actually right though you're not actually yeah, yeah. that's very true <laughs> marie was like what i'm mexican like what? <laughs> you're gonna have family oh um, man on uh speaking of which on the top maria and Kristen um serve a bowl with 14 pounds of meat per person it's uh, a great dish if you need a cheap way to feed a whole family or a place to hide an entire herd of cattle 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> By the way, so Kish was on fire this episode, so man. So rad. She's just oh unlocked, I, over the past, like, whatever, she's just unlocked a really salty personality that I love on she's screen. so great. Uh, she is what perfectly a- seasoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shoda and Kwame also fill your stomach with pork belly in water sauce, um, which turns out well, great if you don't follow the instructions. Yeah. Dawn and Kristen's salmon swims in a buttermilk river, which is apparently better than it sounds. But the best of them all, Gabe and Gregory make an it doesn't matter in a sauce with good. That's all. I don't remember what he even made. It was just in a really good sauce. They didn't even mention it. They were just like, the thing this you gave sauce. us was a great vessel for this sauce. It turns out we just want to drink your sauces. It was a piece sauces. of fish, right? Yeah, I think it was fish. And it was in a banana leaf that held the sauce so you could drink it easier without embarrassing yeah. yourself. But, of course, it was – I don't know if there was, like, you know, obviously there was photos of the finished dish. But the the test cooks did such a good job plating yeah. and, like, yeah. making mm-hmm. it look like the thing. I can't make anything look like the thing. And I cook all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like, though, that this is, like – I mean – it's a banana leaf, which you could nail, I think. You could unfold sure. a banana leaf. Yeah. Sure. The fish sure. is in the middle, and then there's just sauce all over it. With a couple of olives or Yeah, there's whatever. an olive. Yeah. There's some, some cilantro or whatever. You could definitely just pour sauce on a fish. I could do it without even killing the fish. That's how skilled I am. Ooh, give <laughs> Wait, me the right. You, just, you catch the fish, or do you just like, are you just hoping that just, it pops its head up and like just... Just, just pour lands. a pot of liquid into the ocean? <laughs> yeah, just like bechamel, <laughs> like a koi there's pond. probably a fish there, yeah. You could give it first. Give it to a pelican who hides oh. in, his, in its beak, in his uh, in his dangly oh, it's face. Like a, it's like a yeah. table side, uh, pr- pr- like yeah. yeah. The, the and then the pelican will dive down and get a fish. Oh, yeah. forty-two Wallaby Lane, Sydney, Australia. It's <laughs> good. good. So that um, that sauce is the solo song of Blaze's heart, and so Gabe takes home his second win of the season with yeah. his ninety-third sauce. But by but now. Let's check the index. Um, I'm looking under dishes that contain failure. Here we go. Um, mm, Byron mm. and Kwame use 493 ingredients to make a flavorless broth, which the judges are mad about. But that's, um, like I said, the most like any chefy cookbook I've come across. So okay. they give it a pass. Admittedly, this is my experience of making broth. Yeah, that's exactly so there's that's like how a broth lot of works. stuff in there. And then I'm like, hmm. can't taste the stuff. <laughs> I yeah, guess but but there, there's a ramen like broth recipe that like um, basically it was just put all these things all these things into it boil the water and then throw out everything basically yeah. Yeah. Um, I was strain it out yeah yeah, yeah like you know, it was like look and then get rid of all that broth and it's just you're just trying to get like a once cooked bone i think is what, like what it, what the oh what wait the you throw is. away the water and you keep the stuff yeah i think you yeah what no it was <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that this was play tested at all uh well I look I'll, I'll I'll take a picture at some point and send it to you but yeah it was it was a thing where it's like man this is so many steps to get to the thing that I'm gonna it's gonna be bad at the end of but uh yeah <laughs> yeah I mean obviously the really disappointing thing wasn't the number of steps it was that the food was boring and bland and if you have a broth that's been like has all this stuff in it and it's cooking for so long you want that rich depth of flavor and they just didn't get it didn't it was nothing yeah. yeah um it was a shallowness of flavor um Jamie also goes for the completely normal home cook meal of French French toast with foie gras and what it's the what i I know and it's so unpleasant you'd have to strap the judges down and pump it into them to get them to eat it oh i don't like any of it that's a it's a foie gras joke um yeah um yeah that's how you make it you're just a terrible person (laughs) oh no that was that was how you get tom's liver to be the appropriate good mushiness to put on yeah that would have made more sense okay um but somehow even less pleasant than either of those two things 
Chris and Melissa complete his trilogy, Pasta Three Wrong Ways. His terrible gnocchi sends him packing, but fortunately, he's not a sorghum loser. Uh, And that's the challenge. It was, it's just, it's measurements, it's direction, it's having a bad idea and not making it any better. Well, I I do think it does seem like none of them went home because the recipe was bad. Like, if all of their dishes had been great and a couple of the all-star versions were bad, and then you went home for a great dish that you didn't do a good recipe, it would be a little more frustrating. But they all, it's like, his was also bad. Hers yeah. was worse. Well, and I Chris's think you were told they, they had to commit to cooking the recipe and they will be judged on how close, you know, their thing is to what the uh, the tester cook so you yeah, want to follow true. your so recipe dawn was the only person who was like i feel like i did my recipe bad but i have to make mine bad to match the recipe mm-hmm. where she yeah. oversweetened hers as well which i thought well, was an interesting double reverse shoda had a comment like that too i think where um, yeah. it was talking about his broth or yeah his sauce I, or whatever I, I thought that was that was an interesting aspect to it but generally yeah. like like chris's dish was also bad flan french toast was also bad so the recipes were like left behind basically when everyone just didn't do great dishes i i like the idea though of uh, how many wrongs will it take to make a right uh, <laughs> like that definitely was my approach where it's like well, let's say i make a bad concept and a poorly like uh yeah like written out recipe maybe that'll sort itself out by the time a, a great chef touches it talk about turning into the skid chris just <laughs> keeps making horrible pasta every time and he, he's like you know what maybe this time i'll make a horrible pasta. maybe the problem dish. was using wheat flour <laughs> well, wait so like what <laughs> he seems like a nice dude but he man he seems so nice oh nice for dude. three on the pasta. name um yeah i i like the like thing where it's like oh have you ever there's like i think an edit that came out in Last Chance Kitchen, where it's like, have you ever tried to use sorghum for pasta before? <laughs> like, nope. And it was like, no. I was like, oh, okay. I thought this is like a smart... Like, <laughs> Why did you think that was going to save you? Yeah. Oh, that was weird. Um, uh, I did like, by the way, so they were cooking in the Departure Kitchen, which is Gregory's restaurant in the the Nines Hotel in downtown Portland. And it's um, up oh, wow. on like the 15th floor or whatever. It has an incredible view. And it does have a like an outdoor patio area that is really beautiful. And yeah, it's a very cool design restaurant. I like that place a lot. And I'm glad Sweet. they actually got to I, go there. I wish that they had done Gregory the Solid of saying, yeah, this is your it. restaurant. Yeah, like, they did not even come what? up. Well, it's, he's the head chef, head chef of, of the restaurant. And there was, an all, yeah. there was also a departure in Denver. And I think he mostly hung out at the Denver one recently. But that one closed. Yeah. So I don't actually know. And he might not even be there anymore, for all I know. Um, mm. But... Or they might not even be open. I mean, they certainly weren't open at the time. So, but we did see him. We've we've gone to eat a couple times there, and he would come out and yeah, we talk to him. diners and stuff. He would. Who he top chef fans. had mentioned multiple times uh, in interviews that he does not like talking to people. That he's very shy, and so we did not bother yeah. him while he was wandering around. He looked like he didn't want you to hang out with him, but sure. Um, well, he, but he did talk to people who were clearly did. fans of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very, very, very nice. And, yeah, he was, yeah, yes, yes. Not to take the, I. I just felt like it. He didn't want to talk to me, so I didn't impose. But he yeah, was. He wasn't like, oh, I hope these people come ask me questions. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we also. Uh, oh well, he's yeah. He's also he's opening his Haitian restaurant, so maybe he's not there anymore. So it's just the place he was. Um, I can't find an actual answer. Yeah, enough, but even but, just a mention of like where Gregory has spent yeah, time as right. a Gregory. You, you spent know. a lot of time in this kitchen. Remember that? Yeah. 
Also, this is not important, um, but I did improv once in the room that they were eating in. Hmm. In that party room that they were in. Uh, I did, as I did a, a, as a show. As a diner? Corporate gigs. I did a corporate gig, not as a okay. diner. I wasn't just riffing for the patrons. <laughs> they did not like it. <laughs> well, the corporate team probably didn't either. But um, yeah, we did a corporate gig in that room. It was very funny. Um, it just felt so out of place to be like, so clearly you guys are playing, paying $1,000 a plate to be here. Can I get a suggestion of something you'd do with a dollar? Anyway, Burn very it. silly. <laughs> <laughs> not bend over to pick it up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, now I've talked longer about my one corporate gig than I did about being on Portlandia multiple times. But whatever, I, Megan made it embarrassing to brag, so I'm not talking about it. No oh, one yeah, cares yeah. that I was on Portlandia. Ma- no Megan was the one who created this idea of it's embarrassing to brag about yourself. This was not a, a pre-existing <laughs> social norm that we had in our lives. Uh, um, oh, uh, okay. So more about this food. You, Chris, you said you were very excited about this challenge. You liked this the whole way. Tell me more about it. Well, no, I mean, I, 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 I like seeing my friends cook, my TV friends. Yes. Oh. So, um, oh. getting, yeah. uh, getting Kekish and uh, Kwame and Mel and, and Gregory back in the kitchen and cutting it up with each other a little bit was oh, super yeah. fun to see. Kekish with her like exasperation at Maria when she first like met up with her to present dishes was so funny. And, um, you know, obviously like, you know, she apologized to her as they were leaving and Maria was very good natured about the whole thing, but it was just, it was really funny watching these really skilled chefs deal with having to make a recipe for the first time, which also, you know, making a recipe for the first time, even for these folks is, is hard. So yeah, they, I, they I probably felt... don't cook from recipes that often at all. They're not reading cookbooks, probably. Yeah. They were like, yeah. tablespoons in cups. What does this mean? Yeah, it was it was rough. Um, but instead, but, yeah, like we were saying, is our favorite people, these all stars, and they are like cooking. some of our absolute favorite yes. Top Chef contestants ever, and they're cooking know. with no pressure. Yeah, it was your yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. I thought it was so fun. I love and, that. Well, the pressure of wanting to do right by mm-hmm. you know the the author and and doing oh, yeah. a good job. Sometimes in, not wanting to when they. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Wanting to authentically recreate their mistakes. Mel was tough but fair. Also, I I want her hat, but (laughs) their hat? She's going by they now, isn't she? I don't know. But okay. Enjoy the hat. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, we can Google that later. Yep, sorry. Um I I loved Melissa's dedication though to like I'm faithfully executing this recipe. I will not cheat. I will not do a better job. I will do exactly what it said. I am a tester. And that is that was exactly right. That's what they needed for right there. Yeah. Um I I also uh let's let me get some let's get some other voices in here. Um so Jane says, I'm not a top chef historian, but I am a minor pack your mics historian. And I was totally hey. excited to see this elimination challenge because once upon a time. Megan talked about wanting a quick fire where the chefs have to make a recipe that she could cook in under 30 minutes with her skill set. Not quite what she asked for, but the similarities are uncanny. They must be listening, Megan. Thank you, Jane. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, this was, um, I really appreciated that they made the contestants uh, um, uh, and the... um, the all-stars both cook in the same amount of time because that's like my main complaint about recipes is they're like oh yeah this will definitely take 30 minutes Mm. and then like an hour and a half later i'm like i'm not done yet (laughs) (laughs) oh and then even if you like add up the steps like oh you cook this for 10 minutes and um i and then i 
you know, add this in and cook for another 20 minutes and like you're adding up all the times and you're like, that is, that doesn't even add up to 30 minutes. What are you talking about? So frequently their math is not, does not check out. Um, the thing that bothered me in a recipe recently that I, I don't want, I like the book so much and the author that I don't want to say who it was, but it was like, do this thing, let it sit for an hour. And then the next step was 15 minutes before that's up, do this next step. So if you're following them in order, you missed it by 15 minutes. Like you have, if you're going to make me do something, put it in order chronologically. Mm-hmm. You can't say, "Oh, by the way, go back in time and do this thing." It's impossible. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Um, also, because, by the way, we yeah. just checked, and Melissa it goes by she or they. So she you're correct. Great. Yes, you I just checked as well. Yeah, yep. thanks, we're, guys. We're both right. Um, do you guys have any other recipe complaints from your time or re- things that stick out to you when you do <sighs> recipes from people? Yes. So here's the thing. Just um, uh, who was it? Chris actually mentioned on on uh, a two camera interview that he put things in terms of measurements by volume for flour instead of weight. And that was one of the main problems Oof, in terms of him yeah, getting an accurate issue for, uh, for doughs. Yeah, for doughs. And like baking, uh, I want everything in weight because it makes such a difference to the consistency. Um, There's a shortbread recipe I really like from Allison Roman. And in her cookbook, she actually has a different volume listed than she does on her updated like, you know, online recipe. And that's just because she was using a different conversion of volume to weight. And it it mattered a lot. Interesting. um, Yeah, Yeah, I just do stuff by weight. In fact, my bread cookbook that I've used for a lot of stuff three quarters of the book is just him telling you, but seriously, get a scale. Yeah. Oh yeah. He uses several pages to be like, look, I'm doing this. I'm putting this other number in here, but just get a scale. They're not expensive. No, they're not. And it's so useful and you'll be so much more consistent with your recipe stuff. So yeah. Um, Bridget added about the recipe challenge, uh, easily my favorite challenge of the season. The elves really nailed an interesting challenge that probably would only happen because of the pandemic. There have been recipe challenges before, but the side-by-side with the all-stars was so brilliant because they can't serve 100 people right now. So it was a pandemic situation where you could do just mm-hmm. them and the all-stars. Um, also, none of the chefs blamed the all-stars for not executing their dish, which really shows a level of maturity among the chefs involved now, mm-hmm. which I totally agree with. They seemed very under... very. It was very clear to them what was, the stuff was their fault and not the... Yeah, that fault, is true. Yeah. Yeah, this group of chefs is just so honorable in that way with yeah. everything. Yeah, totally honorable chefs. I you totally agree. This is even though I still feel like I want Sarah in here. I'm very pleased with how everybody She's was. She's on her way back. I know. I know. Um, here's another question I have for you guys. I know none of you are full time musicians, but all of you have dabbled at least a little bit. Um, is Sauce the soloist of the food orchestra? Is that real? No, it's the rhythm section. (laughs) Yeah, I I think rhythm section is a good answer. Yeah. No, because it's always there. It's always in the background. Like, you know, occasionally uh, you get like a, you know, if it's a jazz combo, you get the the bass and the drums doing so. That's when you dip your bread in the sauce, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, well, so this is a jazz orchestra, to be clear, not a classical orchestra. Whatever, whatever. Or a rock band or whatever. And, and, a soloist. When do you have sauce by itself? I, mean, yeah, I don't know about yes. you, but look, I I put my rest of my plate away, and then I only drink sauce, and then then <laughs> I let the sauce. I, I clap for the sauce, and then I bring the rest of the food back. Yeah. <laughs> what, Tom? <laughs> it was Blaze, and it was from a cookbook, oh, and it was Blaze, and I assume oh. it was like a French cookbook. As I feel like that is more of a French ideology about um, cooking. I well, did I did watch this with my mom who 
sings with an orchestra and she did not think it was a soloist either. So wait, 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 wait. I think I just realized we were making the wrong assumption. He's not saying sauces are the soloist. He's saying the saucier, the person who determines the flavor, the person who oh. makes the sauces in a kitchen is the soloist as opposed to somebody who just, I do the veg, I do the meat. It's like, no, no, you are going to do my flavor now. And you, the, so much of that is dictated by the sauce. I'm back. I'm back, Oh, Blaise. really? We got you on both Wouldn't sides they, passionately. Maybe they're the composer. Mm. Mm. I thought I thought that was wouldn't that be the head chef? No, no, no. I, I don't know about you, but look, <laughs> I have everyone step to the side. I put the saw, the bechamel in the middle, and I let them just cook for me. That's what happens. Um, last couple of thoughts on this elimination challenge. Were you guys surprised by the elimination? No. Nah. Are you kidding me? I, well, that was I the just, most predictable elimination I could have possibly Interesting, thought. because I just feel like Tom said that Byron's dish was a special hell. Well, and I just assumed that that meant that every, like, I just didn't think you could be worse than special hell for your dish. Well, what did, at he, least mean, it's did unique. he mean, like, putting in, having to prepare all those ingredients and not getting... Uh, yeah, putting in 23 ingredients and getting no flavor is a special hell. Right, but special means like separate and not. The oh, you're worst. thinking this is like penthouse in hell. So there's a worse. He could be well, a I mean, gen pop of hell. That's means special hell. It means a category. It's a unique category. Yeah, but I think that Chris's was so. I mean, despite the comment "special hell" from Tom, which I agree was uh, pretty gnarly. Great, great for the edit, but it just like. Chris's was clearly going home for that, right? I, I, you know what? You've convinced me that if I had to go to hell, I would rather go to special hell than just regular plebeian hell. Yeah, like, right? nor, I don't want to go to nor- muggle hell. I want to go to special <laughs> cool hell. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. Better to better to rule in hell. But if you can't do that, better <laughs> yeah, to go at to least special you, hell. let's go first class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, one other thing I want to mention from the middle of the edit is not about the challenge was just Shoda eating ice cream straight from the tub, talking about missing his son. Really oh. got to me. Oof, I did yeah. not like any of that. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Was really rough. Yeah. So sad. And the ice cream really made it worse. It was a sad story, but just the fact that he was just like scoops of Tillamook straight down. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess Sarah, new Sarah and Kyle aren't here uh, to talk Terrace House with me, but uh, there was <laughs> oh, a darn. A, I know there was a contestant on the most recent season or the last season of Terrace House who also pulled the I don't really uh, tell many people this, but I definitely have a son and uh, I, I wanted to compare uh, Shoda and that contestant in various yep, ways. I don't know but, what you're um, talking about, so I can't contribute. I'm sorry. That's OK. Uh, anybody uh, Terrace House hit me up in the, in the DMs. <laughs> Drake also did that, but it's a little different. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, and then he, he he also we thought we were talking about a bed, you know. Okay. Anyway, um, let's get into Last Chance Kitchen. So uh, Chris grabs his sorghum and runs out. Meanwhile, Tom gets a BMW to play with, and the chefs can make whatever they want, but they only have however long it takes Tom to have his fun driving ten laps around a nearby racetrack, and then getting back to the set, and then walking into the kitchen, and then one more minute. Do we think it was really Tom driving that car? Absolutely. And, oh, yeah. And, I don't think and, it's and, hard to drive a car. Okay. And do we think it was really live at that time? Um, mm, maybe not. I, yes, it's possible I do. They did the filming of his cut shot saying, how, I'm on my way or whatever later. But I assume they gave Tom, they were like, 
No one's using the track. Tom can drive a car. It's like, well, just go drive no, around no, for so, a bit, no, Tom. So I think, no, I think he did it. But I think then it's like, okay, we're going to play the tape and you know, time it out how much it is. And then he just like, he walks in basically uh, at, at that moment. Interesting. I, I will say that this seemed authentic. Um, also, yeah. you know, the comment that Sarah knew there was a raceway five minutes away from yeah, here. Yeah, so there at the Expo Center, we learned, and the Portland International Raceway is exactly one light rail stop away. So it's pretty close. Yeah. All so, along the yellow line. I mean, like, it makes sense. And it's not hard to, like, hey, when you're done with your 10th lap, stop the car, look to camera, say you're doing this, and then drive off. Like, Yeah, but also television is lying television is artifice so yeah they might definitely have done it just to lie to us because they can to show their power over us i wouldn't be shocked but i'm sure he did drive around that course because it would be fun and and easy and tom would love Mm -hmm. a chance to put on a helmet and a leather jacket and drive a car so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um also do you like the idea of the magic magical elves being like well we could do this for real (laughs) but that would be you know stooping to their level yeah right, right? We, don't, yeah. <laughs> we lost it's not our brand that would be yeah. regular hell we are special hell um i also fun fact since we're doing portland brags megan and i ran a 5k on that portland international raceway we did the color run that's where they throw chalk in your face oh, while you're jogging. Yeah. So, and you know the raceway wasn't necessarily like the best uh, surface to be running on person the, the track is banked memory. on the yeah. corners which when you're not when you're going um jog speed is actually more like you're tipping over oh i don't need a full banked corner at my speed i could be just fine on a flat track um Um, but it was it was neat to be out on the racetrack just jogging around in that yeah Yeah. that's fun and then somebody's like here's some red chalk for that um one uh yeah sarah and i did a color run uh near candlestick park uh many years ago pre-kids uh i remember i remember my boogers being really weird colors for many days to come hmm. well, like, i'm glad you hmm. shared that with us i, I just I, I was hoping that you would like yes you're like yes my boogers also yeah, but i guess you not. thought we would riff on but no i just don't yeah. enjoy no, talking I, about boogers that wasn't the part i remember oh, i actually okay. don't remember that either did we even <laughs> talk about this uh, was that just you as did you did you huff a bunch of the powder <laughs> or yeah, not this was to take deep breaths no no no, no. this was not it, they they were not laying them out in lines for you, Ezra. This was no. supposed to be in the air. I do remember yeah. being like, you know what? Maybe they shouldn't put all these particles in the air while I'm trying to run. Well, but you we, know? but we did have the official color run bandana over our mouths, if you remember. Yeah. Oh, so we were breathing through that. Um, I, the color runs were so fun. Everyone did them exactly one time, and the next time they came through town, I was like, "No, nah, I'll keep my eighty dollars." Yeah, it's fine. You paid too much, and you didn't breathe enough in. <laughs> did you go to a color run or did you just like break into a colorful chalk factory and snort it <laughs> i ran around i don't know dude it's free if the guard doesn't catch you <laughs> <laughs> if you run fast enough everything's free um also i know it sounds like 10 laps around a track it does sound fast but you have to remember that tom's walk into the kitchen with his leather jacket on was entirely in slow motion so it's actually kind of a lot of time mm. yeah you have a ton of time because he just this episode, this whole, I feel like this entire challenge was sponsored by the Tom is Very Cool Foundation. <laughs> yeah, they really wanted to play him up. Although I thought it was adorable. Did you all notice that he was wearing German shoes to go with his German car? No, I was wearing Adidas. <laughs> oh, that's it was, fun. It was very cute. That, no. Okay. Um, they didn't pay enough to make him high enough. I didn't notice. What kind of Adidas was he wearing? Oh, uh, they were just like casual, like almost like a Samba, you know, yeah. not a. Oh, okay, know. good for him. Anyway. Yeah, those, yeah. They, they hung out. They knew each other. Um, so Chris peppers Tom with flavors. But his fish dish is just a halibut worse than his opponent. Sarah decides to turnip 
it up, turn turnip up for her vegetarian <laughs> Got dish, it. braised in beef. Um, it's too good to ignore. And Tom races to give her a second last chance kitchen win. See, too good to ignore. I I like that one. Oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah, it's just like Portland. It's hit and miss. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you like a now, couple of them. I mean, here's the thing. I think Chris did right by this dish. He did a good job and he yeah. made a good dish. Sarah oh. just happened to make a spectacular dish. Yeah, yeah. That's exa- Tom had that quote afterwards where he was like, this was really good, but that one was spectacular. Like he plays it. He's, he poker faces really well, but apparently that turnip was incredible. Yeah, he he even said like, "Oh, so you you had umami and salty, huh?" Yeah, yep. I couldn't you did tell. that. Okay. Yeah, like you did. Well, he said when he did that like little laugh, like you did that. I couldn't tell if it was for salt because it was too salty or umami because she rules. And oh, it, it turned was, out as the same, ruling. Same, same. Yeah, um, definitely nailed it. Although I did feel like she was talking so much about how it was a turnip, and she even said like, "My turnips are gonna be super meaty." I was like, "Well, you cooked them in meat. That'll do it. They probably taste like meat because you just cooked them in meat the whole time." Yep. I, I mean, mean it's still cool, I, but it the, it the texture also ahead. though, right? Like like you won't necessarily get a like you can't just cook a thing in a thing and have it become that thing. Now here's the thing though. Okay, well if, I'm sure we can play use... this whole thing out as, but I don't have time. Chris, what you're saying? <laughs> I'm here to say she could have used better than bouillon, and it would be probably almost as good. Oh, if not, I like know? that. Yeah. Like I'm, we definitely I'm just saw saying. some BTB in the um in the hipster channel pantry. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, it was. I didn't catch that it was beef braised until the Chiron at the right. end. Yeah, and so I was actually a little disappointed because she made uh, so much squawk about her doing vegetables. Yeah, and once she had beef broth, I it it loses a little bit of that purity to me. I, I mean, but, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I, I I can't eat it. So like, cool turnip, and you made it cool meaty turnip. Sounds like fun, and I like like nori and shiitake mushrooms. Sounds awesome. And then you're like, oh, sorry, I cooked it in flavor, so you can't have any. Um, it's a little sad. Mm, sorry. I, I, um, I'm just. I'm gonna let you know. You can't eat the TV, so you wouldn't have been able to have it either way. I wasn't gonna, it's not for me. That's true. But if I was in a drive-through and they served it or drive-in, yeah. I couldn't have it. Yeah. Um. Did you, so. My dad. I was watching this. With my parents. And my dad said he prefers, um, Hidden Valley Ranch to a car commercial. Um. That this episode was. Um. What do you think? Do you do you prefer Tom's BMW commercial to Now You Cook with Ranch Powder or what? How do you? How, either way. Well, it doesn't like, affect the cooking as much. Yeah. True. I, I like all the food ones better just because, I don't know, it's more interesting to yeah. me. I don't care about cars. It's like it's like they're trying – I think BMW is trying to claim Top Chef in some way. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. This this had a um, a different intro on the sponsor. I don't know if yeah. you all noticed. It was created with BMW yes. this time. Mm. Yeah. This was uh, heavy SpawnCon, not casual SpawnCon. But I agree um, – with what y'all are saying that when it's a food ingredient it's sort of in the challenge and it affects the challenge and it sort of changes things up whereas this like you know how many times did we have to have richard just saying well tom is rounding his fourth lap or you know whatever it's just who cares you know it's yeah the worst part for me was when tom said in in um post recording i gotta get me one of these Oh, I, uh, I actually liked that. I felt I, like that was the thing that Tom did not believe, and that was Tom having to lie to us, oh, and he couldn't even look us in the face. Hard disagree. I don't think Tom's an actor. I think he literally like hopped in the car and like stepped on the gas and was like, oh, this is a really fast car. Because the I, knowing the 
just bare minimum about cars that I do. The M series is the way faster version of any given BMW uh, model. M stands for so, fast. Uh, fast. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's German. Who knows? But uh, um, the M version of any BMW is going is, is a quick one. Like is surprisingly keeps up with like any of the big sports cars so that's this is good information i'm sure it is fun to drive that around a track i felt like tom had more fun driving this car than he would have had eating ranch powder um i (laughs) yeah i think my i i guess i i i don't mind if the spawn con is so is unrelated to the food because they don't have to pretend it's good food like when you're like oh now you have to cook with these campbell soups and they're like i sure love campbell's mushroom soup then I feel like they're hurting their chef credibility a little bit. If they're like, oh, ranch powder is so fun. But when it's like, I love this car, you can, it's easier in your mind to be like, this is because BMW paid them and not because they actually like it. I, I like that clarity. I yeah. I just I wish like there the was some timing time. thing. Oh, oh, yeah. No, yeah, Megan, go, go for it. Yeah, Megan, go for it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting to have to come up with addition, not know exactly how much time you'll have. And, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I thought that was interesting. But you could get an, an idea because you could see the the lap slipping away, even if yeah, you once, know the minute. So it wasn't the so first crazy. Lap, yeah. You kind of estimate. And, but yeah. And he got faster, which they didn't expect. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Although they didn't give us an indication. So it seemed like he was a little over a minute and then he got faster. So it was probably about 10 minutes for the laps. And then maybe five, and then the walk in maybe ten total for that. So maybe twenty minutes. But they didn't actually give us the official. I would have loved to have seen his splits from the race from the racing. That would have I thought been interesting to see. Like in I would total have time, love to see the splits. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, um, as what were you going to say? Well, I guess just so I, I'm always looking. I guess from a from an ad perspective, I'm always looking for the tie in. I think the problem I have is there's something of a um, the BMW isn't really the hero for the chefs in this. Right, um, right. Where it's like it's actually so kind of the villain. Oh. oh, it's like the faster it goes, the worse you are. Interesting. Um, and so that's the thing that it feels like that's maybe at cross purposes, right? Um, so from a right. marketing standpoint, you think it's not a great tie-in for BMW. I don't, but very love consistent it. with how I think of BMWs. Yes, right. <laughs> it's great if you're driving it, but you're probably not the one who has the BMW. Right. You, yeah, usually, it's the one almost hitting you in a crosswalk. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, a couple of quick things. Uh, one of the uh, quick thing from Bridget about this challenge. Um, I really like Chris, but Sarah is still my fave. I'm happy she won. Anyone who can win a challenge with turnips deserves a win. A small aside, I am impressed that Alex, that you put aside your hatred for yogurt to support Sarah. This is a deep cut, you guys. Yep. This is a, Bridget is a read it and weep from from season one. This is a ten year old reference, I believe. And I don't remember so much what we were talking. I know that we talked about yogurt on Rainway for a while, but I don't. Re- I don't ever feel like I was. I hated it. Um, I you did at least look. If this is, but I was er- clearly yeah. You were pro yogurt, and I was yeah. not pro. yogurt. If this is early I, episodes, I can't imagine you liked whatever we were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, too. And, like I don't like yogurt as a like eat it with a spoon in the way that. Ezra, we know it's not a will, soloist will eat for you. Yogurt. It is not a soloist. It's an ingredient, and like Greek yogurt can be a topping on on something, and I'm fine with it. I but, agree that um, yeah, Greek yogurt yeah. as, and as a base for a sauce is absolutely incredible. I love a yeah. yogurt sauce more than yeah. I like a yogurt bowl. So yeah, and I, like I was pretty vocally. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't get that. That's too it's, much for me. Yeah. Um, all right, from zero to five stumps. How well did this episode showcase Portland for you? Megan, how Portlandy were you feeling this episode? Um, I'd give it a three. Okay. 
Uh, I mean, I don't think the recipe challenge had much to do with Portland, mm-hmm. but that was fine with me. I thought it was a really great challenge. Yeah. And yeah, I thought the Portlandia, I thought it was fun. Yeah. So I think you, I, and I, and I, and again, I do know a lot of people with those old stoves in Portland. That's true. So. <laughs> you also know a lot of people who've been on Portlandia. So that's a good reference. I know at least one. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it was. I think it's more than that. I think this is at least four stumps because we got to actually be in departure, really? which was super fun. Oh yeah, that was fun. Great view, cool local restaurant. Um, and I do think Portlandia is one. Like even if it makes Portlanders roll their eyes, at some point you have to admit there's a thing you're known for. Like Reno would prefer not to be known for Reno nine one one, but if you were doing a Reno Top Chef, you'd probably have to bring in some cops and hot pants. Like it's this is one of the main things about your main exports of your city. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a good... And I thought they were great judges. So I thought it was a good quick fire and a solid bit in the in the elimination challenge. Anybody else stumps? I was so ready to give this negative one to zero stumps. Um, <laughs> you know, I think what we discussed uh, in the sort of hipsterness and even Portlandia, a show that hasn't been on for a while, while Portland is, is known for it, certainly, like, it, to me, it just doesn't... Uh, doesn't jive with what Portland is now or what Portland is is sort of wanting to market itself as or mm-hmm. or be becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be at like a negative two for that and then add one to two for the views from departure. Uh-huh. Um, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a wonderful Portland episode, you know, all the time. But this yeah. one, like hmm. it tried to be Portland, but it felt a little retrograde. Interesting. I don't know. Interesting. But I, 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 obviously defer to no, those are, those are our, good points. Our I'm, I'm feeling persuaded you know okay. the hipster thing is a little annoying you're right mm-hmm. yeah yeah but it's inter- also but also as people who have what used to be called hipster taste in a lot of things especially food and beverage yeah it does feel also kind of fair i mean i do you know i do love a very slowly made coffee by someone who's mad at me for being yeah. there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that. Please. The surlier, the better. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I think I've said this on the show before, but my favorite tip for trying to find good coffee in other cities is Yelp reviews where somebody says, the coffee was good, but the people were mean. That <laughs> is by far the most likely to be coffee that I actually like. But we also know a lot of really nice baristas. <laughs> oh, I love, yeah. I have some baristas I love for sure. But um, if I'm looking on the outside, yeah, give me a surly. I, yeah, I, I, like I am inconveniencing bitter. you. I'm making you work today. <laughs> how you bitter do you here. want the both the brew and the brewer is kind of I like I like a smooth brew and a bitter brewer ideally yeah. and a really nice chocolate chip cookie mm-hmm. <laughs> as in Sarah stumps yeah I think I'm at three I don't know I feel like I'm not the Portland expert and I should like not be authorized to give stumps but if you're asking three <laughs> yeah there's no licensing procedure for stump giving it is totally open season that's very kind yeah, I, I I feel like it has to get at least two for Portlandia being that's such a key thing. But I feel like it's like once they had that anchor stump uh, in there, it just kind of like bailed on the rest of it. Like I don't really think right. of anything else as like super, super Portland based. Yeah. And definitely I don't think of you as like a, I didn't think of Portland as like a BMW city either. So for sure not. Yeah, I'll, probably not. Yeah, we are definitely, Portland's the city where you're on a bike and a BMW almost hits you. That's true. <laughs> oh, so there's the one, like there's that yeah. maybe like that one car that like is just, there's really a couple of them and they don't look when they turn right. Um, okay. okay, a couple, we got a bunch of stuff from the mailbag that I can't wait to get into, but first we have to hear this lovely song. <laughs> mailbag you can get in touch with us 
podcast at readthesweep.com is the email. It's also on Facebook and Twitter and our website and probably anything else you can think of. I'll get it. Um, if you text me, I'll put it in the show. Um, first up, continuing comments from Bridget. The Portlandia tie-in was so fun in the quickfire. Carrie and Fred were clearly having fun and it was a joy to watch them. I oh, loved, totally agreed. Yeah, they definitely yeah. did seem like they were having a good time being there. I loved the I drink a lot of alternative milks, not because I'm a hipster, but because I'm lactose intolerant. From yes. Jamie. Um, I know a lot of people who get annoyed by things like alternative milks, but the majority of people in the world are lactose intolerant to at least some degree. Normalizing alternative milks means everyone gets to try food, and that's rad. Yep. Um, agree. Yeah. Huge agree with people get to try food, and that's rad. I could mm-hmm. not. I subscribe to that statement, and I would like to read your newsletter. Um. I also, uh, I do feel like there's a lot of good work happening in the alternative milk world, so that's fun. Anyone, anyone have a favorite uh, not milk milk? You know, I got on the oat milk train. Definitely went with oat milk. The oat milk is a very sugary milk, um, it turns out. is a, a little too sweet in the long run, so I've kind of backed back off of it. But I will try every new milk. Have you tried macadamia? No. No, I would love to, but I'm not a billionaire, Sarah. I know. <laughs> I know. We, we, we can't buy it on our own. It's too expensive. But every so often, there's a You could lease some of it. Yeah, well, no, so there's a vegan, like, there's, like, this vegan, like, uh, uh, you know, I, think, I don't think they're very surly, but there's a vegan uh, coffee shop uh, that they include all of their milks for free. Including yeah. macadamia oh. nut milk, and it's oh, so good. Oh, I love it. Oh, I, I love a coffee shop that equalizes the price normalizes the price of milk across the board i mean it is a more expensive exactly yeah Yeah. everyone's subsidizing the old yeah yeah Yeah. i think that i mean that that seems fair you're that's how you're doing all other products you're not not every single different there's like oh you got decaf that's technically two cents cheaper so your drink we don't it's all averaged for the price of running a business i think yeah um and i don't think punishing people for having dietary restrictions seems very fun so that's cool i've not actually had I've i've heard good things about macadamia but not had much of it worth trying yeah yeah um all right uh let's see jane on facebook um i tried looking on instagram for details about the coco sun pop-ups but instead i came across chef jamie's instagram which has some adorably unhinged graphics and i will include a link to this in the show notes but uh the one in particular that uh that Jane sent along is from when Jamie won last chance kitchen. And um, it is, I would, I guess I would call it a, a lazy Photoshop of Mario Kart racers where she kind of put her face over Mario and a bowl of um, noodles over the red These shell. Are that awesome. I mean, These they're are great. So cute. They're, I love them. It's bonkers is what it is. And then also she's done like, um, Fantastic Four, where she was Shoda and Byron, and yeah. Anyway, just a bunch of really silly um, photoshops, and uh, the goo- but and not even like like not even editing around her head, just the square photo of her over the Goonies, and then never say die. I'm on Last Chance Kitchen tonight. Like really fun, bonkers graphics. Love um, it, love it. Yeah, highly recommend uh, Jamie on the gram uh also from jane i caught a preview of top chef amateurs and i was actually it was actually quite a sweet show i didn't realize former top chefs contestants would participate as mentors and assistants and they are so kind and charming to the contestants it feels like master chef but with the sportsmanship of top chef masters i'll definitely be tuning in this summer totally we actually we watched it and i agree 100 percent with that analysis and also i would just add that I think if we watch that in the future, I'm probably going to watch the first 
10 minutes and the last five minutes Mm -hmm. because I feel like the middle section is just not as good. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. It's like, like that actually makes a lot of sense to me because like the cooking stuff is not going to be as good. Yeah. No. Yeah. I want give me some setup and some payoff. Yeah. And I, I don't really I, need. I want to. I want to get to know the chef, the the amateurs a little bit. I want to see them interact with the chefs that we know and love, and then I want to see who wins. I am. I was not interested in this. I generally like. I mentioned this before. I like the the skilled is what I'm watching for in competition shows, not the unskilled. But the Jane's point about the me- mentorship, you've convinced me. I do kind of want to see yeah, him do that look- now. I mean, it's like it's. I mean, there's amateurs in uh, you know great uh, great British uh, you know, Bake Off, and it's like it's the same. It's the same vibe. These are, I'd say it's skilled amateurs. Um, so like this is you know, people who have like that's have, true. I do like have, it in that other context. They've done stuff, and there's like good. They're, they're nice, and then yeah, you get it's like it's cooking with the stars. All right. Well, you've sort of convinced me of that. Um, oh, that reminds me. One other thing um, I wanted to share. I can't remember who sent this to me or if it just popped up on a newsfeed. But anyway, um, an interview with Sasha from um, Houstonia magazine. Um, we're just because of the mention of the pop-ups. Um, so apparently um, Sasha referred to herself and Roscoe, Brittany and Kiki as the eliminators. <laughs> and they formed a super group of eliminators and they're doing quarterly pop-ups uh, around the country. So they're going to be Whoa. in Birmingham in August um, where Roscoe lives and they're just, Getting together and cooking and doing cool stuff as Aww. the eliminators, which is so, this season seems like it spawned more friend groups and pop ups than any previous season, and I love it. It's great. Well, they, they're not running back to their existing restaurant. I guess that's true. You know? Yeah, they they don't they they have some time open, so they're thinking about what to do next. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's guys. Look, if you come here to make friends, you always win. That's the real. It's <laughs> the real what lesson. If I didn't make any friends though. Um, what if that's what I came for and it didn't work? Then you're a soloist. Ah, okay. Um, all right, fair enough. Um, all right. So from at Leprechaun on Twitter, um, is it just my wife and I misremembering, or didn't they sometimes tell the first person named a judge's table that they were safe, and then they would say another name of the person who was the eliminated chef? So like Padma saying like, Chris, you're safe. Byron, get out of here. Like, do, do you guys remember that? That definitely had happened where they were jerks. Yeah. 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 Did they Not do that recently. more towards the end? He, like uh, when it's like saying who's going to be top chef? I or, feel like sometimes oh. they say you're through to last. Or you're through the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. You're you've made it to the finals. Yeah. You know, type of thing. But yeah, I think they've they've really backed off on that. I mm-hmm. I do recall a couple times when that's happened. But I, yeah, I definitely think it's happened too. But it's also that's the the classic Hell's Kitchen reveal where Gordon Ramsay will always have two people and he'll be like you. And then it's 50-50. And so yeah. they, they get called up and then they but it has added nothing to their knowledge. So they just look more nervous. And then you'd be like, back in line, someone else get over here who wasn't even <laughs> up for elimination. You're eliminated. They love that um jerk reveal on that show. But um one email from Carolyn. Caroline, what do you suppose? I'd say Carolyn. Carolyn with a but K. Please let us know. Um well it's too late. You can let us know. We appreciate it. <laughs> definitely not that so that could so it could have been worse um uh caroline says what a fantastic episode um i think the last two episodes of the show uh, just hit it out of the park like tom said in a previous season camping in aspen i think the the more things they remove the better they cook well for this season the more covid restrictions the better the episodes 
the fruit challenge, mm-hmm. the chef's table in this last episode, considering they used past chefs as guests with the COVID needing them to stick around longer than normal, this show has been able to use them to the best advantage. While we were learning the new chefs, um, we also got a better understanding, understanding of what it, what it makes a past chef an all-star. Um, also, I had skipped a, a few past seasons of Top Chef, and I missed Kristen Kish's season, and now <gasps> I have to find out. Gasp! Fine, I have to watch season 10. Enjoy. Yes. Boy. So season 10 is ups and downs, peaks and valleys for sure. Um, we have a podcast. We have a podcast. It. If you go back and yeah. rewatch it, we ha- we rewatched it recently. So you can listen to our rewatch season of it. And uh, boy, there is um, some good stuff in there. And the main thing that makes that season great is Kristen. Because Kristen is so rad. But. You got some boy. You got some journey ahead of you between the Kristen that you meet and the Kristen you know now. There is. Um, I would say that even the Kristen at the end of that season is not necessarily the Kristen that we certainly met not. That's a good point too. But you just have to remember that um, she doesn't doesn't survive unscathed. There's a tsunami of Josie in the middle. That is gonna, <laughs> yeah, that noise. Okay, do you see what I'm saying, Carolina? It's that noise. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I mean, there's some interesting stuff, and de- uh, you can definitely listen to us talk about it because we had some Seattle experts on that season. And actually, we didn't love what they did with Seattle either. Anyway, but Kristen's great. So watching Kristen's season <laughs> For is a worth. Second, it. I thought you were like, uh, we didn't love our Seattle experts either. And I was <laughs> <Yeah>. like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, we loved you guys, but you did not like how Seattle was presented. We definitely feel like we're gonna do. It's we're getting to the point where we need to do like a overall stumps for the uh, the time in Portland. But yeah, I think it's clear at this point more stumps for Portland than there were. Starbucks cups for Seattle. Yes, definitely. They're doing a better job of presenting. All right. Lastly, from the mailbag, we have Jordan, our restaurant correspondent's restaurant rant of the week. And this is a good one, you guys. Um, so Jordan says, I've been getting, I'm going to read a lot of this because I think it's really interesting and I think it's important and I want to participate in this conversation. I've been getting a lot of no one wants to work because the government is giving them too much money comments recently. So here we go. Yes, there are some people who are riding unemployment until the end, but I know more people who got out of the industry than people that went back. The last year was eye-opening on how fragile the industry actually is. Example, my friend is a director at a high-end hotel owned by billionaires. They shut down with no notice because of COVID. Dozens laid off just like that. This is when there were extra $600 from the government still going on. Great. Then they opened up, brought back most of the staff about a month, and then realized it wasn't profitable with the restriction and closed again, no notice and laid everybody off. What this did was force people off the security of unemployment, made them less money. Then they got laid off again, which causes a lapse in your unemployment. And some were never able to get it back because the computer system cannot handle you leaving and coming back. And good luck getting a person on the phone, which I can attest to. Um, Everyone lost their benefits, including two pregnant women. How are you supposed to keep staff when you treat them like that? Harsh truth about benefits. Most places require at least 32 hours a week average to be considered full time. Five days a week of six-hour and 15-minute shifts. More shifts are less than six hours. Most shifts are less than six hours in the industry. Also, you're, there are days that you come to work and you get cut after two hours. So unless you're a manager, it's nearly impossible to keep 32-plus hours. Who would want to go back to a broken industry like that that's also full of abuse and harassment? The last year provided many with the opportunity to explore other interests, take risks with new careers, and realize that they didn't have to be stuck in a toxic environment with unpredictable hours and benefit situations. No one should be shocked when staff comes back. And I haven't um, even discussed the rampant sexual harassment and discrimination in the industry. Anyway, thank you all for being a positive impact in my life. I appreciate it, Jordan. Hmm. Wow, Jordan. Wow. Um, 
I but I do appreciate I feel like this conversation this, like I, I just saw another article this morning from a local paper that was just like unquestioningly running a McDonald's franchise owner's opinion on why people are not working for him. And yes. I think that is gross yeah. and very upsetting. And so, yeah, th- there are so many like the fact that people don't want to work for you. We believe in supply and demand and capitalism. There's a solution to this. You treat them better. You pay them better. That's how you get people back. Not by going to the newspaper and saying everyone is too lazy. Mm. It's very upsetting. So I, th- a lot of the passion was mine in addition to the, the words were Jordan's, but the the delivery was me agreeing wholeheartedly with everything you had to say, Jordan. I stand with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Has anyone here ever uh, like worked any like a uh, service, uh, I guess, uh, restaurant, food stuff jobs? I believe. We, yeah. So Kyle is our main mm-hmm. having worked in the industry per voice. And mm-hmm. um, Kyle is not he's not with us anymore um, today. He's going to be back. What? He's just Gosh. hanging out with Sarah's mom. He's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sometimes the words sound worse after they mm-hmm. say them than they do in the mouth, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, Kyle's our guy. I don't think any of us have done restaurant work. Well, Megan, uh, I worked as a host in yeah. a restaurant for one summer. Yeah, yeah. briefly. Yeah. Summer. So job. I don't. I don't feel like that but gives me a lot I, of. Uh, but I, we can insight. safely say you did not love it. I didn't like it, but you know, who knows? <laughs> it's hard to tease out my personality and the situation versus like the industry as a whole. I don't so. think it is difficult. I've seen your personality up close and personal for a very long time and it is perfect so any flaws are with the industry and not with you i can tell you i didn't get a lot of hours and i didn't make a lot of money so there's that it's definitely yeah. that i lost three days as a busboy uh one summer and then um <laughs> the, the, it, same same problems of freedom uh and then i i think i was um uh like a barista for like maybe two or three months before i got i think laid off by like there's like a, a change in management, basically. I think they, mm. they brought in some uh, uh, relatives as uh, part of nepotism. So, you know, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the part of this point is it's very clear is that it's, there's a lot of instability in the in the industry, which we, we've experienced even in our brief experience with it. I never worked in it, but I did apply for a job as a busboy and then um, ended up getting a job somewhere else before they called me like three months later. And when he called, when the guy called me from the restaurant and I told him I found another job, he was the most shocked I've ever heard a person be Hmm. like he was looking at my resume and was like, there's no way someone else wants you to work for them. (laughs) Like, like it felt like he was like, look, I am scraping the bottom of the barrel to even call you. There's no way you're busy. It was like three months later. I was supposed to just sit around waiting for you to offer me five 15 an hour. Um, and it wasn't another real job. You weren't just like, you know, like line him. Yeah, no, it was a real job. I got a, I got an actual job, not in food service, in airport, in the airport, which was also bad. All right. <laughs> um, also making five fifteen an hour, but the tips were better at the airport. Um, yeah, the, uh, but even if I had been lying, how dare he think I'm unemployable while calling me to give me a job? This is when you were like sixteen, right? I was a oh, good good question. I was probably eighteen. This was a college summer, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, I definitely was unemployable. Who's right about that? Um, should not have been working at the airport. Um, anyway, uh, I appreciate the rant, Jordan, and I hope everybody at home. I mean, they're, you're you're listening to this. You care enough about the food industry. You are aware. Whenever somebody says no one wants to work because they're lazy, any uh, they're lazy now. That person is lying to you. That person is not representing the best interests of their employees. Um, yeah. Uh, I did. We talked about. Anyway, we got to get going. We talked pretty much. Oh, anyway, thank you, Jordan. 
Huzzah. Um, everybody, uh, if you found new passions in your life, go for it. You deserve it. Um, that is it. Let's wrap it up. Guys, that's it for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your emails, your rants, your feedback, podcast at read-week.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, website. And if you want to send us government secrets and you don't want to be tracked, we are on Signal as well. Hmm. Wow. We'll probably, oh, okay. We'll probably are we? Not. I don't think so. Could okay. we? How hard would that be? I don't do not it. Hard. Is the, not worth it? I don't know. It's not worth it for me to do it. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how much of the podcast is worth it for you to do? I was just curious. Uh, the exact amount that I'm doing. Perfect. All right. Uh, anyway, we appreciate everybody sends us information and and tips and recommendations. And um, Jay, I didn't actually have this, but Jay number one had sent us a uh, another uh, Top Chef chat this week. Uh, it's funny that they were talking about cookbooks because like half of the chefs that have ever been on Top Chef have cookbooks coming out currently and are going around doing Zoom hangouts where they... Or um, Instagram Lives where they cook something from the cookbook and talk about it. And this week that included Sheldon's new cookbook. Um, yeah, I so, caught a, an IG Live with uh, Gail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I had to go. I, I was hoping to be there for that and then I had to miss it. But yeah, Gail and Sheldon. How was it, Chris? It was good. You know, those are both very uh, warm personalities. Yes. Um, I got to say, I tuned in. <clears throat> I, I was just cooking something and I saw the notification on my phone. I was like, hey, I'll check that out. And there was like 25 to 30 minutes of them just chit-chatting about their lives and how it's going. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was really, really nice. That's perfect. And, um, are, they, are, are IG Lives archived on Instagram or are they one and done? I don't know. I think they're, I think they're there. I th- yeah, I, th- I think so. You can go to Gail's thing, yeah. I think, or Sheldon's thing. Um, it was on Gail's thing, so let me just double check this. But I'm, yeah, I would and, love you know, to see them talk. That's perfect. I don't want to. You don't have to cook anything. I'm not going to be able yeah. to do it anyway. And and you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like on Top Chef, everything's so scripted and edited down, and you have certain expectations about how you know, like you know, Gail always seems like she likes things to move quickly, but this was, she, she just was there to hang and, uh, oh, it was a okay. lot of fun. So, so if you go to Gail's, uh, if you go to Gail's Instagram and you go to IGTV, there yeah. is a 45 minute archive of her. No, wait, that's not, wait, was it? No, here it is. Here's a 42 uh, minute archive of her and Sheldon. Okay. And I, so it it wasn't there. 30 minutes of them chit chatting, but it felt like, no, no, no. That, nice yeah, sorry. I didn't, but anyway, yeah. the, the point is that it's there, but it's on, you have to look under IGTV. Um, this is yeah. a mess of a website, but yeah, well, that is available and you should check it out. But yeah, everyone's doing, we've seen a couple of these now where it's like, Oh, Gregory's hanging out with somebody on Instagram. It's cause he's got a new cookbook. So, um, check out all the cookbook talks that's on our Facebook as well. All right. Yeah. That's enough from us. Chris. What? Actually, you know what? We're, we did a double elimination today. Kyle is no longer with us, so it's just you get to Whoa. stay. You're fine. Oh, I, oh. I was doing a Hell's Kitchen thing where I say your name, but you stay. You're safe. Kyle, get out of here. <laughs> uh, we will talk to everybody next week. Thanks for hanging out, Megan. Thank you. And Chris, good to chat with you. I can't help but feel that Kyle getting eliminated was somehow partially my fault. Interesting. I feel the same. Um, yeah. And as and Sarah, thank you guys for spending your morning pastry time with us. Thank you. Yum, yum. Enjoy all of Caleb's birthday parties, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.